Tall steel reinforcement out there, Tom. Alana still got to find a way to get Jacks through the table. You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> oh my god, Nia Jax has become the biggest meme on the internet. You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmisano here, your host, and we have a lot to talk about in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, hope you're all doing well, hope you're all doing safe. Um, yeah, let's just kick things off with... <laughs> I'm oh my god when when this this whole Nia Jax my whole thing just happened I've I've just been laughing too much I've been oh crying of laughter it's just it's too funny it's just too too fucking funny oh my god I remember the next morning I saw that Nia Jax was trending on Twitter and um you know uh my hole was also trending was also trending on Twitter. Oh my god, I can't compose myself. This is just too fucking funny. Okay, um, Nia Jax and Lana, let's just get this out of the way, had a match on Raw, an unadvertised match on Raw, tables match, by the way, to kind of put off their whole, I guess, put an end to their whole ridiculous feud. And, um, you know, Nia goes for a leg drop on the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring, if you didn't know. Um, and tries to go hit this leg drop on Lana. Lana gets out of the way, and she's she proceeds to scream after she hits her ass on the ring apron. Goes, ow, ow, my butt, my hole, as you just heard in the intro. Can't get a better soundbite than that for this week's episode. <sighs> You know, it's it's nice to see that Nia Jax is in the news this week in wrestling when she's not hurting somebody or injuring someone or people are calling for her to get fired or calling for her to go back to the Performance Center, which she should go back to the Performance Center. I mean, if Keith Lee, who is one of the most amazing, innovative pro wrestlers in the world, he has to go back to the Performance Center, but Nia doesn't. But that's a podcast rant for another day. We have a lot to get into here. Uh, I just thought we'd kick things off with that. Just just a real uh, a laugh for those of you maybe having a bad week um, to the point where, you know, people are definitely making memes about it. Um, a company wanted to send Nia Jax uh, <laughs> a, one of those donut pillows, uh, you know, when someone has hemorrhoids. Um, I believe, fuck it, I can't remember the name of the company, but it's just, again, it's just nice to see Nia Jax in the news on a positive light. The only thing, though, is that WWE censored her on their YouTube channel. Um, if you want to find the actual clip, you don't go to WWE's YouTube channel. You're going to have to 
go to someone else who uploaded the video because they censored her saying my hole. So my hole was obviously an ad lib line uh, from Naya. So um, I guess let's try and get into the rest of what happened with Raw. Actually, real quickly, I, I had saw that the ne- the following morning, Luke Owen on Twitter uh, from Wrestle Talk, he puts up a video where Bully Ray in uh, TNA Impact is like on on his knees in the rest in the ring, going "My balls, my balls!" And then some female wrestler with a lot of face paint, who I don't recall who she was, maybe she's from Impact too, and she's screaming at the top of her lungs, "My vag, my vag!" And then it ends with my Nia Jax, my hole, with the caption being, "Wrestling is fucking brilliant." Yes, it is. Good God Almighty. Uh, I guess we'll go into a little bit what happened with Monday Night Raw this week. So Shane McMahon is back, the general manager of the 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 definitely not general manager of Raw and SmackDown, Adam Pearce, and definitely not the general manager of Raw Underground, which has been canceled. Uh, Shane McMahon returns. Um, all they Shane pretty much did. They came back to announce the the main event of uh, Illumination Chamber. I mean, if they had some proper build, then maybe they'd be able to, you know, actually make qualifying matches because they kind of just announced them. So it, they said that Drew McIntyre would be defending the uh, the WWE Championship in the Illumination Chamber match against uh, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Sheamus, and The Miz. Now, on paper, that's a pretty pretty good lineup for guys in the match. Um, I thought they were just going to do Drew versus uh, Sheamus at Elimination Chamber, and then they'd have an Elimination Chamber match to determine who would face Drew at WrestleMania. But this is not bad either. The The way I see things going, though, Drew's probably going to retain the title, and then it's probably going to be Sheamus and Drew at Mania. Um but then they'll probably throw a fast lane match in there too. I don't know. I mean, I think if they held off Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus, probably could have been a really great match build up to WrestleMania. But when uh, you know Sheamus kind of turned heel on him, he's just kind of like, "Oh, I'm sick of being uh, Drew's friend, so I, I'm I'm turning on him," which kind of sucks. I mean, it's kind of a letdown. You know, we all we all we all knew the heel turn was coming at some point, but you could have, you know built to that heel turn, you know? You could have built to the point where, like, you know, Sheamus is fed up with Drew and just... It just kind of came out of nowhere, and it was kind of it was kind of lackluster. I don't know. I, I just would have preferred more of a build to it. So we got that. We got this Elimination Chamber match. We had Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles, and uh, AJ Styles defeated Jeff Hardy. Um, One of the things that happened, which is... <sighs> The one thing that's probably worse than the whole Lana and Nia Jax storyline is this storyline between Lacey Evans and Charlotte Flair. So, Lacey's, like I've said in this podcast, that Lacey's new gimmick is that she's fucking Ric Flair. Not really, but I guess so. So, Ric Flair is Lacey's manager for some reason, and Lacey and Charlotte have a match to determine who will be the number one contender for Asuka's Raw Women's Championship. I mean... Asuka and Charlotte were never really a tag team, at least believable tag team to begin with. Um, They dropped the tag titles to Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler at the Royal Rumble. Um, And in the match, uh, Lacey had beaten Charlotte by disqualification. Charlotte had just kept attacking Lacey over and over and over again to the point where she loses her opportunity. 
So it's Lacey Evans versus Asuka at the Elimination Pay-Per-View. Elimination Chamber Pay-Per-View. And I hate that because we very well could get... Here's, so here's what I wanted for WrestleMania. I wanted Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Apparently, Rhea Ripley might be going to SmackDown, which, in all honesty, that's probably the better show for her. Uh, SmackDown is booked much better than Raw, and the women's division is handled a lot better on SmackDown, so it probably would be a better move for her. Because what is she going to do after the fact? Even if she does have this match with Charlotte at Mania for the Raw Women's title, you know, and then what does she do afterwards in a in a women's division that's so lacking on Raw? And now that it's not because the women aren't talented, it's just they're not given proper opportunities to show what they can do in this current period of time. I mean, Asuka's title, title, uh, title run has been a, a complete fucking afterthought. So, originally I thought, oh no, it's going to be Asuka versus Charlotte, and Charlotte's going to go after the title. No, this this could be much worse. We could get Lacey Evans as the champion going into WrestleMania, and Charlotte could be the babyface going after the heel Lacey Evans to get her revenge on Lacey at Mania to get the Raw Women's Championship. A while ago, there was a speculation that maybe it would be uh, Alexa Bliss versus Charlotte at WrestleMania. You know, Spooky Bliss, Fiend, Lady Fiend versus Charlotte. That would have been much better. I'm more okay with Charlotte versus Asuka. I am not okay with the possibility of Lacey Evans versus Charlotte. That is going to be some fucking bullshit. I tell you that much. But that's what we're getting right now at Elimination Chamber. Currently, the card stands. It's uh, the Elimination Chamber match, as I mentioned before, for the title for the WWE Championship. Uh, Oscar versus Lacey Evans. And Bobby Lashley versus Keith Lee versus Matt Riddle. Sorry, Riddle. Uh, for the United States Championship. Keith Lee and Matt Riddle had a pretty decent match on Raw, where Bobby Lashley came and beat them both up. Probably would have preferred a Keith Lee versus Bobby Lashley match at the pay-per-view, but... The way I see things, I'm for Mania. I'm hoping we could get Riddle versus Lee, if it's for the U.S. title. I'm hoping it's Riddle versus Lee. What I see happening is right now I could see Keith Lee taking the championship, and then Riddle's there to take the pin, then leading to a match between Bobby Lashley and Keith Lee at WrestleMania, where Bobby Lashley's just like, "You never pinned me." That's what I see. I don't know. At one point, you think some Vince is high on somebody, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, ah, yeah, I changed my mind. I, I changed my mind. I was never high on you. <laughs> what are you talking about, pal? Oh, Christ. So, another thing that happened on Monday Night Raw is that Edge says he will wait until after the dust settles after the Elimination Chamber match to determine which champion he will face at WrestleMania. The Miz, John Morrison, and Angel Garza, because apparently Angel Garza is a part of the Miz's group, didn't you know? Tells Edge if he wants to, he can cash in on him at WrestleMania. Edge tells Miz he's content with being awesome while he focuses on becoming world champion. So, the big report, as I was talking about with uh, 
my uh, my guest last week, my good friend Sandy. Um, what's up, buddy? If you're listening, uh, that there were a big report going around that's going to be Roman Reigns versus Edge, and with the way. Roman was calling out Edge on SmackDown last Friday. That's where it appears to go. And after seeing that, I kind of want to see... I, I really want to see Edge versus Roman Reigns. I really want... And I think it's great that Edge's first singles match against a new set of guys on the roster now is going to be Roman Reigns. Um, I'm happy about it. I, I don't know if he'll win the title. I, I really don't know, but... It's it's nice and refreshing that we're not going to get Edge versus Randy Orton anymore. Thank Christ, we're not going to get Edge versus Randy Orton anymore. But now, since I said that, we're probably going to get it for the rest of eternity. <laughs> you know, um, I mean that's pretty much kind of what I saw from Raw. Uh, Elimination Chamber seems decent. I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see because right now, it's just not really appealing. I mean, obviously, I'll watch it. It's what I got to do for this podcast, but. We'll see what happens. Another thing that happened uh, this week was on uh, AEW Dynamite. So one thing coming out of the show is that uh, Cody Rhodes suffered a torn rotator cuff. And those injuries heal up. It takes about two to four weeks to heal up. Now, at the beginning of March, he's supposed to be having a mixed tag match with teaming up with Red Velvet against Jade Cardgill and Shaquille O'Neal. That's right, you heard me. Shaquille O'Neal, Shaq, in a mixed tag team match on Dynamite. Now, I'm hoping Cody will be okay. From what it seems like, he will be okay. Um, I've been very vocal about how I'm not excited about this feud in general. Um, It's just, it's nothing against Cody. It's nothing uh, against, you know, uh, Red Velvet or Jade Cargill. It's mainly Shaq. I mean, I'm just I'm just not into the whole big celebrity. It depends on the celebrity. I mean, I'm just not interested in it. And considering that Cody is the most experienced wrestler in the in, in out of those four individuals in the match, you kind of want Cody to be 100% and okay to go cuz he'd be doing excuse me, majority of the work. But from what it seems like, I think he'll be okay. But Arn Anderson had confirmed on his podcast, I believe, that Cody suffered an injury. But he'll be back. I mean, we we know he'll be back. So, speaking of that, other news that happened on in the world of professional wrestling. So, at a new beginning for New Japan Pro Wrestling, jumping over to New Japan real quickly, Kota Ibushi had defeated, had defeated Sonata to retain the IWGP Heavyweight title and the IWGP Intercontinental title. After the match, though, however, Tetsuya Naito confronted Ibushi. Naito says that he, want, he knows Ibushi wants to unify the titles and can't allow that to happen. Naito challenges Ibushi for the Intercontinental title, and Ibushi accepts so this is the first championship match we've seen since um, someone has won the IWGP and IWGP uh, IWGP Heavyweight Championship and the IWGP Intercontinental Championship that they're challenging for a specific individual title. Now, Naito made the big thing that he doesn't want to be he, he like he said he doesn't want Ibushi to unify the titles. He's always wanted to be double champion. I mean, 
any match with Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito, I mean, just shut up and take my money. I, I was at the Madison Square Garden show um, back in 2019, and it was Naito versus Ibushi for the for the Intercontinental Championship. Naito went in as the champion. Ibushi walked out as as the champion, beat Naito. It's one of the best professional match, wrestling matches I've ever seen live in attendance with two of the best wrestlers in New Japan. And, you know, for those of you listening to this podcast, Kota Ibushi is my favorite Japanese wrestler. And, I mean, these two, <laughs> there's a meme out there. If you didn't give a fuck about your neck was a wrestling match. It's Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito. That's that's pretty much it. These guys take ridiculous, nasty, um, really difficult bumps to watch on uh, when they're having matches against each other. But they're always fun to watch. So definitely got to look out for that. Because will we be seeing any AEW guys showing up in, uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling that night? I don't know. We'll have to see. We already have one New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, slash AEW wrestler who is the IWGP United States Champion, John Moxley. He had a tag team match, a street fight with Lance Archer as his partner, teaming up against the number one contender for his championship, Kenta, who's in Bullet Club, if you didn't know, versus uh, with his partner, the AEW World Champion, Kenny Omega. Uh, kind of going to be a little sporadic with this. Just want to get this match out of the way first. This match was a lot of fun. Everybody looked fantastic in this. Uh, to Moxley coming to Moxley, Archer, Kenta, and Omega. Uh, it was really great just to see Kenta on, you know, primetime television and actually look like a badass rather than when he was in, in WWE, NXT, 205 Live, and he really didn't do much of anything. The one thing I think about Hideo Itami is his former a- alias. His best match was probably against uh, then NXT champion Bobby Roode. Maybe. It's prob- that's probably what his best match was. I don't know. So he didn't really have a memorable WWE run. But ever since going back to Japan, he went to New Japan, joined Bullet Club. He's been on a he's been on a tear. And him versus John Moxley is a match I'm very much looking forward to. Uh, Kenta had hit a flying double foot stomp onto the table by the ring onto Moxley. I mean, they went to a kitchen, and Lance Archer threw a box of potatoes at Omega and Kenta, to where Moxley picks up an actual potato, and hits Omega, Kenny Omega with it to where Tony Schiavone goes, he potatoed him. Never, We've heard the term in professional wrestling, he potatoed, uh, I got potatoed out there, or you potatoed me, meaning you hit me really sti- really hard, really stiff. But never in professional wrestling in my years of watching it has anyone actually hit someone with a literal potato. It was fucking hilarious. Throughout this match, you know, Every guy got their shit in. Every guy looked great. Every guy looked strong. Um, even Jake the Snake came in, did a couple spots to where uh, the uh, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows got involved to help Omega and Kenta. And it took a magic killer and a one winged angel where Omega needed the help of Anderson and Gallows to get Lance Archer up on his shoulders to hit the one winged angel to where Kenta and Omega won the match. 
There's still no clear cut. Is there a partnership here? I mean, are these guys aligned with Bullet Club? You ask Tomatonga, like I've mentioned before. He says, fuck no, that's the bootleg club. But Don Callis did say this in a, in a post-match interview once Dynamite had went off the air. It said that Don Callis said that it's time to clear the air regarding their Bullet Club brothers in Japan. Don says that Kenny Omega, Carl Anderson, and the Big LG leaving Japan was a good thing for the guys in the for guys in Japan because it gave room for all the mid card guys like Brother Switchblade to move up the chain and fly the flag. Don says they might not have their Michael Jordan and Kenny Omega, but they have those other guys. Don says there's no hard feelings and tells the fans to buy Bullet Club Japan. Bullet Club Japan merch, and maybe the fans will get back to the top 40 of pro wrestling tees. I didn't read that whole thing before I started, so that's pretty funny. I mean, the way this is going, we are we already we said it last week. The forbidden door has been opened. Excalibur on commentary said it himself. The forbidden door is now open. I mean, we've got people from MLW, we got people from New Japan, AAA. Uh, you know, Impact Wrestling, AEW, all these guys and girls, NWA, all these people wrestling in the same place. We're bound to get a bullet club. It has to be. I assume when things get better and, you know, travel is restrictions are a little lifted and things get a little safer to work, we're bound to have a bullet club versus elite match, you know, whether it be the uh, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega or the Good uh, Kenny Omega and the Bucks, you know, um, or, you know, may- maybe maybe Kenta is playing sides and maybe he's just maybe, you know, he was wearing his Bullet Club shirt, but, you know, does he st- is he still aligned to the Japan Bullet Club or is it the AEW, the Elite Bullet Club, you know, it's it's really, I mean, that's all the work, you know. Don Callis knows what he's doing, and he's teasing the fans, you know, taking shots at Switchblade, Jay White, and the rest of the Bullet Club in Japan. We're bound to see that because we want to see matches like, you know, the Gorillas of Destiny versus Good Brothers would be a great match. The Gorillas of Destiny versus the Young Bucks. They've had great chemistry before. That would be a great match, you know. Um, you, you know, we'd love to see matches like, you know, uh, Sandy had mentioned, Jungle Boy versus El Phantasmo. That would be a, a fun match to watch. So this is, ba- and then I mentioned, I think I mentioned Jay White versus Kenny Omega. Jay White versus Kenny Omega has to happen in AEW pay-per-view at some point. At some point, we're going to see these guys show up. We're going to see all of them show up. Now, the big thing is, Kenta lives in Orlando he lives in the States, so that's why he was easily able to show up. And he's a part of the, the New Japan USA show that they do. So that's why um, he was able to show up for Dynamite. And, you know, he's he was able to sh- show up for that. Like, we're not, I don't think we're going to see Jay White or the rest of the Bullet Club in AEW for quite some time. Um, but going through some of the other things that happened on AEW television. Now... Let's go with this story here, Ke- keeping with the Bullet Club and the Elite. Uh, the Good Brother, uh, the Young Bucks had a uh, backstage interview, and Dasha Fuentes was asking, you know, you guys saying, you know, you guys didn't win the 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 Battle Royal. It's like, no, he wants, and Matt's like, and Matt and Nick are like, well, yeah, ask these guys. The Good Brothers apologized for the costing of the Young Bucks and the of the Battle Royal last week, saying that they were trying to get their their heat was a private party, not the Young Bucks. I mean, where Gallows even said private shardy. (laughs) 
Uh, they said they're to, they said they're not to blame, and that it's the inner circle. So the young bucks had laid out the challenge to the inner circle of Santana and Ortiz versus the young bucks in a tag team title match next week on Dynamite, where you know Gallows and Anderson then were too, trying to too sweet the bucks. I think Matt uh, Matt declined, but Nick went along, and then Anderson's like, "Hey Stinger, Stinger, give me a too sweet." So. <laughs> As he's going off a of frame, uh, the good Gallows and Anderson are just—they're just fun to watch and listen to. Man, I've said a million times that I think it's great that they're having fun and that they're actually doing stuff that makes them, you know, portray how awesome they are and how you know badass got uh, badass looking dudes they are. You know, one of the best tag teams in the world, and I'm just really happy for them. But the main thing here. The, the biggest thing focusing on from, from AEW this week that I want to take some time and talk about, again, which is probably my favorite storyline going on in AEW, is the storyline with the inner circle. So Sammy Guevara wanted to talk to MJF, but he wanted to make sure a cameraman was around. He went in, MJF's there with the rest of the inner circle, uh... Except Chris Jericho. So MJF, Wardlow, Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz. Um, yeah, that's the rest of the inner circle that was there. Okay. Um, so he's like, Sammy goes to the rest of the guys. Guys, I need a minute with him. And Ortiz stands up, looks at uh, MJF and says, you good? And MJF's like, yeah, I'm good. I got this. I'm good. Every single member of the inner circle stands up looks at MJF as they're walking away. Ortiz, Jake Hager, Santana. Wardlow tried to stay, but MJF's like, no, 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 Wardlow, you too. Obviously, Wardlow's been with MJF for, you know, for as long as he can remember. So, but that's the thing. MJF's been planting the seeds that he's been trying to take over the inner circle and drive a wedge between Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. And that's what Sammy figure. he says, like, I know it's what you're doing. Sammy had approached him, and little did Sammy know, but MJF was recording the conversation to where Sammy's saying things like, I know what you've been doing, Max. You've been doing this since day one. I haven't trusted you, and I haven't trusted you since then. You've been trying to drive a wedge between me and Chris Jericho. You've been trying to take over the inner circle, where MJF tries to turn it around on Sammy. It's like, you ever think maybe you're just jealous? You know, you're no longer the apple of Chris Jericho's eye, and why should and you should be jealous with someone like me coming in? And maybe you want to take over the inner circle. Maybe it's you who's trying to drive the wedge. And Sammy goes sarcastically, "I was like, oh, you figured me out, Max. Yeah, I'm trying to take over the inner circle." And also, MJF's like, "Maybe you hate Chris Jericho." And MJF's like, "Yeah, yeah, you got me. I hate Chris Jericho. Yeah, I'm trying to take over the inner circle. Good enough for you, Max." And then, as you see, uh, MJF takes his phone and goes, huh, yeah, it's good enough. He was recording the conversation. Sammy was pissed off. He's like, what are you kidding me? He's like, that's my phone, man. And then he throws it and breaks his phone and then punches him right in the gut. To which MJF sells later on before their tag match against the Acclaim. MJF comes. You know, he said that Sammy sucker punched him. He gave him no good reason. And Jericho's all concerned about MJF. MJF oversells this because obviously he's faking uh, this in the match with the acclaimed. 
and Jericho's concerned. He's, he's like, we'll worry about Sammy later. Like, we got a match. You okay? He's like, I don't know. I'm okay. And then so MJF and Chris Jericho worked a great match against the Acclaimed. The Acclaimed, I've been really, really been loving their stuff in AEW. It's when they had that tag match against the Young Bucks where I'm just like, okay, these guys are going to be top, top players in this tag division. These guys are awesome. Anthony Bowen, Max Caster are future AEW tag team champions. And although this was heel versus heel, it really worked out really well. I mean, for the most, I mean, the Acclaim kind of played more of the babyface role in this whole thing. And Jericho and MJF were the complete total heels. Favorite spot in this match is when MJF's got the submission hold. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the hold that he's got him in. And he's by the corner, and Jericho's pulling on MJF, so he gets more more of a stretch on uh, on Max Caster. Aubrey Everett keeps looking over and looking over. It's like, what's going on? And then they, they let go, and then she goes to the other side and then just kicks Jericho and Guevara, um, MJF's arms. Max goes back and forth. It later finishes with Jericho hitting the Judas effect on, I believe, Anthony Bowen for the win. So they're celebrating in the ring. Then Sammy Guevara's music hits and comes in, and, and Chris Jericho says, what's going on here, Sammy? You're five, you're five minutes late. You didn't show up for the match. You tried to come after the match. What's going on here? You, you sucker punched match. What's going on? And Sammy Guevara just said, Chris... I'm done. I told you, I believe, and he goes, like, in October of 2020, that if he tried pulling, any, right here in Jacksonville, that if he tried pulling any other crap, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this anymore. I'm quitting the inner circle. And you see the look on MJF's face. He's like, like you can see he's smart, like, just on the side where Jericho can't see him, Guevara can't see him, and they're, Guevara and Jericho are looking right at each other. And MJF smirking, and he's like, this is exactly what he wants. He wants Sammy to leave, and Sammy's leaving. Uh, you know, Jericho asked him what the problem was. Sammy said that he told Jericho back, sorry, in December, that if anything happened, he would quit the inner circle. Sammy tells Jericho that he's done, and he leaves. And he goes out the babyface tunnel. Sammy Guevara's a babyface now. He's left the inner circle. And you see the the look of, of 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 sadness in Chris Jericho's eyes and his face. He's just he's conflicted. You know, Sammy Guevara was his protege. Like this is the guy that he he's wanted to to groom and and he's wanted big things for in the inner circle. And he wants him to be a big player in AEW. And th- this is you know this is storyline. This is this is in real life too. That you know. Chris Jericho got him the job in AEW. He saw him have a match against Cody at a, at a indie show somewhere, and he's like, "Let's hire this guy." So now this is kind of where I figured this this storyline is going. Jer- you know, and like we all have seen, MJF has been trying to take over the inner circle. You know, all the guys trust MJF now. Everybody trusts MJF. You know, we're to the point where they're kind of speculating, but now. He's been trying to drive this wedge in between Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. And is it only a matter of time before he does this to Chris Jericho? Is this only a matter of time? You know, are Jericho and MJF going to win the tag titles? They are the number one contenders, but are they going to win it? You know, is it going to be a big swerve and, you know, MJF kind of just, you know, 
jumps up. Maybe like at Revolution, we'll see like you know Jericho trying to go for the hot tag on MJF, and then MJF just fucks off and jumps off the apron. Then Jericho runs into a super kick, and then the Bucks retain, and then that's how you kick kick out Jericho of, of the inner circle. You know, then maybe reforming less sex gods, and then maybe it's Santana and Ortiz who win the tag titles. Maybe it's MJF and Wardlow, you know, and then you get and then lead to this big babyface uh, tag match of uh, you know Sammy and Jericho versus whatever two inner circle members you want to do. I feel like MJF has to be in that potential uh, match. I feel like you know MJF and and Wardlow would probably be the the ones to do it, and then it'd be Jericho and Sammy reuniting less sex gods and going off on their own, and that'd be a great story to tell. And I'm sure that's the plan of what they're going. And 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 one thing that I think uh, some criticism AEW gets is that oh the storylines are too simple. Well, just because it's too simple doesn't mean it's not good. You can overcomplicate things, and they just don't work. It's something that WWE does constantly. Sometimes the simple, the best storylines are the simplest because it just makes sense. It's nice that we get to see wrestling where the wrestling makes sense, the storylines make sense, and where everything's going just makes fucking sense. And th- like I've said, this is my favorite storyline going on in AEW at the moment. I-, I can't wait to see what happens next with the inner circle. I-, I can't wait to see where Sammy Guevara goes as a babyface now. He definitely has been working as a babyface. He's been a heel for a long time, but he's been working. But he works as a babyface in the ring. He does all these great high-flying acrobatic moves. You know, you know, standing shooting star presses, and it. Sammy Guevara is an amazing wrestler, and he's going to be a top guy for years and years to come. Another thing that happened on AEW Dynamite is that uh, Matt Hardy invited Hangman Adam Page to the bar to celebrate their tag victory from last week. Whereas uh, Hangman goes, oh, I just want to get my phone, and then he bumps into the the Dark Order, and he's like, oh, hey guys, you know, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm going to the bar, man, like, oh yeah, hey, and then and John Silver being fucking amazing, just going like, hey, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, you're like like being all awkward, and as Hangman leaves, he's like, stupid, 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 shouldn't have said that, you know, it's like like he's getting all giddy as if like he's got a big old crush on Hangman Adam Page, um. You know, you see all the guys kind of just like, oh, hey, hey, man. And Anna Jay looking all pissed off, being like, fuck this guy. Um, you know, and then we see Hardy and Hangman at the bar. You know, they're drinking. Well, Matt looks like he's drinking, but he's like, hi. And they're telling a joke. Ha ha, so funny, Hangman. So great. He's like, oh, get another shot. Yeah, then sip. And then actually he just dumps it out. And he pretends like the like the, the bourbon or whatever they're drinking like like really burns. So he's like, oh, oh man, that's that's that burns, man. So Matt Hardy signs, gives Hangman Adam Page a contract. He gives him a contract to sign to be a an what's the word I'm looking for for Matt Hardy to be Hangman's agent, for Hangman Page to be Matt Hardy's client, and. As he goes to sign, oh, you got a pen? Yeah, he's like, you know, you're gonna be a million, a billionaire. No, I'm taking thirty percent of the wages, but you, but you're gonna make. I mean, you're gonna make so much money. They're gonna make back in time. The hangman's like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. As Matt breaks the fourth wall and talks to the hangman, like, yeah, man, listen, he's actually gonna be real, like, when, after he signs and sobers up, he's gonna be really mad, but it's gonna be really good for him in the long run. But as we see in the background, hangman throws away the contract, and then grabs a contract from his jean jacket. And signs it. 
Then he gets Matt to sign it. Then, after Matt leaves, oh, I gotta go, you know, like, we'll talk soon, talk soon. And he goes to the bartender, let me get another one of these. What I'm thinking is that, obviously, Hangman didn't sign the contract. I think what he signed was a contract for Revolution, Matt Hardy versus Hangman Adam Page. I've said before that I thought the big theory of where uh, the the Dark Order, Hangman Adam Page stuff was going was probably going to be Brody Lee versus uh, Hangman Adam Page. But as we all know, Brody Lee passed away. But I think this is a good substitute. And I don't think Hangman's done with the Dark Order, you know? I mean, we all want to see Hangman join the Dark Order because Dark Order, it's no longer this culty you know, creepy heel faction. They're they're lovable baby faces now. And, you know, Hangman Page is the I think probably the biggest baby face in the in the company and it just works. You know, they got great chemistry together. I mean, that's where I see this going. I see Dark Order, you know, you know, being in the corner of Hangman Adam Page. Maybe Private Party tries getting involved and everything. And maybe it's after this match where Matt Hart, uh, where you know Hangman does join the the Dark Order on pay per view at Revolution. So hopefully that is what we see. And for next week, but confirm as we talked about before, the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz for the AEW Tag Team Championships. Uh, Big Money Matt, Hangman Adam Page, Private Party versus Hybrid Two and Chaos Project, FTR versus Matt Seidel. Uh, Matt Seidel and Mike Seidel, I guess Matt Seidel's brother. Uh, Riho versus Serena Deeb in the AW Women's uh, Eliminator Tournament. Sting will address Team Taz because uh, Darby Allen was taken. Uh, he had a match against Joey Janela for the TNT Championship, beat Joey Janela, and as Tony Schiavone was about to interview Sting, we see Taz in the Titan Tron with Powerhouse Hobbs in the in the car, and then like, oh, Stinger, we got we got something for you. You're going to take somebody, a friend of yours for a ride. And then you see Darby Allen knock down a body bag where Ricky Starks and Brian Cage zip him up and then they jump in the back seat and then they start driving and Sting goes goes after him. Um, Jungle Boy doesn't seem to be very phased that Marco Stunt was stolen and kidnapped by FTR. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, you know... Overall, with this episode of Dynamite, I really enjoyed it. I'm enjoying the AEW Women's Eliminator Tournament. Uh, it was Thunder Rosa had a great match with. I'm trying to remember her name. I'm I'm blanking on the women's division in AEW. I know her name. I know her fucking name. It's Thunder Rosa. Yeah, Layla Hirsch. They had a pretty good match. I I hope that this tournament really builds to a. It builds to. Good matches for the AEW Women's Division. We have the women in Japan having stuff on YouTube, which was kind of expected. Um, you know, where I see this Eliminator Tournament going, it'll probably be... I'm not sure. I imagine that Britt Baker will probably win this. I, I, I mean, because that's what I, where I see this going. Um, Rip Baker will probably win this tournament and she will probably beat Hikaru Shida. I said months ago that Britt needs to be AEW Women's Champion. She's the best. As far as a character and in-ring, she's the best. Thunder Rosa might be better in-ring, but Britt Baker has got her character nailed, dude. She's got it fucking nailed. Once she turned heel last year, that's when she really found herself. 
She was really she's really clicking as a heel. And I just want to see her as AEW Women's Champion. I've said a million times how much of a big fan I am about Britt Baker. So I'm not going to beat over a dead horse at this point. But I am going to get a little bit into NXT uh, from last night as well. Because this Sunday, this Valentine's Day, well, if you're single and you're a wrestling fan, it's NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day is this coming Sunday. So we're going to go over a few things that happened on NXT last night. So um, Scarlett was in William Regal's office and that Karrion Cross wanted Santos Escobar. Regal made the match official for next week. Now, this is exciting for many reasons. For one, Santos Escobar has been killing it uh, in as the Cruiserweight Champion. And with this gimmick he's been portraying. And the fact that Karrion Cross wants a match with him. The fact that it's a cruiserweight facing a heavyweight. I mean, we haven't seen that since like the mid-2000s. We haven't seen that in so long. Where cruiserweights actually fought heavyweights. When they were quote-unquote cruiserweights. Um, Cross has been doing really well since he's returned from his injury. And him versus Escobar could actually turn into a pretty decent feud. And I would actually love to see that so much. It's nice when you get to, it's nice when you see things that kind of, you know, make make sense. Again, being being over my uh beaten with a dead horse. On uh Twitter the other day, Austin Theory had said that the match between uh Kushida and Johnny Gargano has been canceled, and that it would be Austin Theory taking him on Wednesday night. Johnny Gargano, uh, Johnny Gargano claims that he's injured and he can't compete against Kushida to take over. William Regal gives Johnny two options. Austin Theory fights for Gargano and, and faces Kushida for the title, or he forfeits the title. Kushida comes out, and as he tries to make the title, take the title from Gargano, he reveals that he faked it. The match is back on for takeover. So that's a match I'm very much looking forward to, Kushida versus Johnny Gargano. I kind of wish Johnny Gargano was a babyface for this, even though I'm loving his heel stuff. I said this about his match with Keith Lee, but this is st- this will still be a fun match. Gar- Gargano's been doing some of the best work in his NXT career. Um, I put this heel run right next to the Tommaso Ciampa stuff, even though we all know he's never going to top the Tommaso Ciampa stuff, and I'm kind of including DIY and all that. But uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that, to that match very much this weekend. And that uh, Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart have beaten Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell to advance to the finals of the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. So they're going to be facing Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai. Um, moving on to what else happened this what else happened this week? Dex, uh, that uh, Kushida beat Austin Theory by DQ after Johnny Gargano interfered. And Dexter Loomis made the save for Kushida. So maybe Dexter Loomis has his eyes on the North American Championship. Or just Johnny Gargano, because Dexter Loomis is a bit of a weird, weird dude. Um, and then the Grizzly on Vets beat Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy, Th- Timothy Thatcher uh, in the finals. So it'll be MSK versus Grizzled Young Vets. So for the former uh, Rascals from TNA, two of the former Rascals, uh, are now in NXT. Um, to be honest, I don't really know too much about these guys, uh, but I'm happy for the tag match. I'm excited for the tag match. I'm just a, a mark who loves tag team wrestling, don't you know? Um,
But going into this, I guess to close out the podcast, let's do my NXT TakeOver Vengeance Day predictions. So we're going to kick things off with the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez versus Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Winners receive the Dusty Classic Trophy and a future title shot from the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. So, the current tag team champions are heels. And even though Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart just teamed up, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez seem like a legitimate team. They've been a legitimate team for a while now. Um, I don't know about this one. More of the harder ones to predict, but I'm going to go with Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I think they're going to win this one. They've been partnered up for like over a year now. Dakota got Dakota Kai is doing great work as a heel, and um, yeah, I'm just not too much other than that. Just I think it's going to be them. Uh, so next, moving on to the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals: MSK of Wesley and Nash Carter versus the Grizzled Young Veterans of James Drake and Zach Gibson. So I'm going to give this one to MSK because they're the new tag team on the block, and this would help establish them to new fans that aren't really familiar with them. Uh, the clip that I saw on Instagram, I think earlier today, where one of the guys does a 450 splash on the ring apron, and the other and the opponent pushes him into their opponents. I'm like, oh shit, that's impressive. So that was really good, and I'm looking forward to the match. Both teams are really, at least from what I've seen from these guys so far, and Grizzly Young Vets are a great heel tag team. Love those guys. Next up, we have a triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship. The champion, Io Shirai, will be defending the title against Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. So, for this one, it's a little more difficult to predict. You could probably easily say, I mean, not easily, but you could probably say that Tony Storm could take the title here. Or Mercedes Martinez is just in the match to take the pinfall so Io Shirai can get the win and then we can get a singles match between Io and Tony down the line. And honestly, that's where I see this is going. Um, I'm going to take Io Shirai to retain here. Um, I love Tony Storm. I-, I wanted Candice to be the one to take the title off of Io, but I know Candice will be NXT Women's Champion at some point down the line. But it- it's looking like Tony Storm's going to be the one to take that NXT Women's Championship off of Io Shirai, and then maybe we'll get Ember Moon versus Io, uh, Tony Storm down the line because before the War Games match, you know, Tony Storm did turn heel. So I'm going to go Io to retain for now, but she I don't think she's going to be holding that title for very much longer. Next, as we mentioned before, we have the NXT North American Championship match, uh, Kushida versus Johnny Gargano. Um, for this one, I'm going to take Gargano. I think he's going to hold on to the title a little bit longer. Um... Gargano's, you know, uh, you you could could you argue he's the best NXT North American champion? Could you? Maybe. I don't know. It's probably Adam Cole. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, the, the match is gonna be fantastic. Um, again, this is one of those ones where I wish Gargano was a babyface because a babyface Gargano versus a babyface Kushida would absolutely kill it. Uh, but they're gonna kill it anyway. They're gonna have a great match. Looking forward to it. But this is the match I am looking forward to the most for this Sunday's NXT Vengeance Day. It is Pete Dunne 
the bruiserweight Pete Dunne versus the Prince, the NXT champion Finn Balor. I have been waiting for this match for I don't know how long. Ever since Finn Balor, you know, the 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 opponents that we've been wanting Balor to face since he came to NXT, you know. You know, we we've got we've gotten Balor versus Cole a few times and we're lucky for that. We got Balor versus Gargano, Balor versus Riddle, but now we're getting Balor versus Pete Dunne. If you want a, a fact that will blow your mind if you're not, you know, up to date with some how old some of these wrestlers are. Finn Balor's 40 years old. He just turned 40 recently. Doesn't look it, you know, with his shredded fucking abs. And Pete Dunne is 27 or 28. Pete Dunne's not that much older than me. And he's in a main event of a WWE pay-per-view facing against Finn Balor. God, where's my left going? Doing this podcast. Doing this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm I'm really looking forward to this match. This could be a match of the year contender. And um, this show could be one of NXT's best this year. Could be. It's it's up there. It's it's a stacked card. It's a really really stacked card, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, I I will probably peg this one to be na- match of the night, but a sleeper match will probably be the Dusty Tag Team Classic. It's interesting to see that we have no members of Undisputed Era in this uh, pay-per-view. I know Roderick Strong and Adam Cole were teaming up in this in the Dusty Classic to go on and win, but Bobby Fish is injured at the moment. I don't think Kyle O'Reilly's been on TV for a bit. But anyway, I'm looking forward to this Sunday for NXT Vengeance Day. Are you going to be watching it? Are you going to be sending, spending it with your sweetheart? Do you not have a sweetheart? I'll be your sweetheart. No, I'm just kidding. But I'll be your friend. Thank you for listening uh, for this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. We appreciate you all who are all listening. Um, coming up very soon, very, very soon, I will be releasing an episode of a special episode on a wrestler. In this particular wrestler, Sucks. If you catch my grip, <laughs> catch my drift, if you know what I mean. I can't fucking talk tonight. Oh, my God. And I'm going to be joined by my friend Bryce from the Making Kayfabe podcast. We talk about this particular wrestler's uh, career and all the good, all the bad. And that's going to be coming up very soon. Please be sure to be listening to those guys on Apple Podcasts and all your podcast feed you can find. Bryce and Dylan uh, have an amazing podcast that I listen to every single week. And they rebook a whole bunch of wrestling storylines. From most recently, Shayna Baszler, uh, all the way to doing Retribution, how the NWO got into WWE. Uh, the Summer of Punk, and many, many more. So please go look at those, go listen to those guys. They're on Twitter at Making Kayfabe. We're on Twitter at TNAWP. We're on Instagram at The Not Another Wrestling Podcast. We're on Facebook at The Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Again, please be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast apps. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you all have a great weekend. I've been CJ Palmasano, and we'll see you all next time.